0: the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus. Say what? Charette. Doc G. What is up, sir? Mike, you had some. You had some traveling in your recent see. pass. See. You went to see the sights of the Western yes. states. Mm hmm. Was it exciting? Hmm. It was. It was very exciting.
1: Um, you know, went to the Grand Canyon. This is what we're talking about. Went to the North and South Rim. Um, did a mule ride. That what? was interesting.
0: Yes. Man, rode a mule. Got on that mule.
1: War. Man. Yeah. That was, was cool. Was got he on.
0: unruly? Was it an unruly mule or a, a ruly mule? He was
1: very, he was very, uh, he'd given up on life. In. Yeah, they <laughs> gave up <laughs> a long time ago. Uh,
0: <laughs> people ride me every day. This is horrible. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could um, definitely see that. That's yeah, good. Yeah, it was sick.
1: That's lots good, of, man. Uh, Doc G, I texted you this, but lots of Darwin nominees around mm. the Grand Canyon. Lots of selfies just way too close to that edge. I don't know. How do you feel about that?
0: I feel <laughs> it's like a Dave Chappelle show. Leave your phone, man. Yeah, You don't need it. You don't need, yeah. like, like even if you're like, well, I got to take a picture, like, uh, how many times are you going to look at that? Unless None. you're actually going to make it like a, a photo in your house that you're going to put, like, my brother does that. He has, like, you know, a, a poster of the oh. Taj Mahal that he took in India. He's got uh, posters from a, a bunch of different, uh, the, the Brazil, a, the Amazon, when he stayed in the Amazon, sunrise over the Amazon, like, Okay, cool. But if you're just going to put it on your phone, how many times are you going to look at that crap? You're not. Yeah. (laughs) So just leave the phone in your your car, you know? Yeah. Just just go enjoy the sights and don't kill yourself taking a selfie. How about that? Yeah. You know? Mm hmm. But Mike, we've got a big celebration.
1: Hmm. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's. What is going on? Flag Day. Flag day, ah, oh, how could I forget? Yeah, feels good, right? Yeah. It's right up there with Christmas, Thanksgiving, <laughs> flag day. <laughs> oh. I, I took a look, Mike. You're not gonna believe this. There are no celebrations going on in Jacksonville for flag day. Blam. Really? Yeah. Not one parade. No, come on. Unbelievable. What are we doing here, folks? Thought this was America. Yeah. Come on. We can't set aside a, a parade and fireworks <laughs> for old glory. Come on. By the way, listeners, I'm completely, completely sarcastic. So true. I, I, I normally <laughs> I normally breeze right over that, but I figured I would just uh, outright honesty. That's a good way to go there. Uh, I do find, Mike, sometimes our use of the flag a bit ostentatious. Hmm. You know, yeah. we use it a little bit too much. It's it's already, like, why do, like, 90% of houses you go by have an American flag? Hmm. I think I know why, but uh, all yeah, probably oh, other reasons. But, but <laughs> like, think about just how unnecessary that is, right? On the, yeah. the pure basis of what a flag is, right? Mm-hmm. A flag is supposed to designate so you know who and what those people are where you're at, right? It's mm. yeah. supposed to tell you. Right, they originated in war. You're like, oh, it's that tribe that we're fighting. Oh, it's those those folks that we're going against. You know, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way if I go down the block, down one street, that I'm going to get disoriented and be like, wait a second, am I in Uzbekistan? <laughs> oh no, no, there's a American flag. Thank God, I'm still I'm still here. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. You know, no. but yeah, regardless. Uh, We uh, party with flags, Mike. We have a full day celebrating the American flag. Sweet. $100 if you can guess which president officially established Flag Day. Hmm. He's thanking listeners. All right. uh, It is. Thomas Jefferson. Mm, way too early. Way too yeah. early. Woodrow Wilson.
1: Wait, we didn't even have like a proper No, we did. We had a proper flag. Okay. No way I would have guessed that by the way. No
0: Woodrow way. Wilson, 1916. Yeah. Wow. You know, 1916 he was like, "You know what? Official Flag Day, we're having one." <laughs> you know? And ultimately if you go back you think about it, Mike, it was he, yeah. he probably saw it coming. Woody probably was like, you know what? We're probably going to be in World War I here in a little bit. Maybe I should pull together some national pride, get some little flags out, fight mm-hmm. the central powers, you know? I get it. I get it. Because I find it hard to believe that Woody was just sitting there in the White House looking out his window like, you know what? Our flag is dope. <laughs> anybody, anybody agree with me? That thing is awesome. Right? I don't think that happened. You know? Mm-mm. There was actually a dude before Woodrow Wilson that was pushing for Flag Day, like a citizen that mm. wanted Flag Day to be a thing. Bernard Singrod. Hmm. Yeah, from Bernard. Wisconsin. Bernard. Bernard, way mm. back in 1884, he was a 19-year-old teacher of elementary school, and on June 14th, he told students to write an essay of what the flag meant to them on the flag's birthday. Hmm. Which I would have been so mad if I was in that class. Like, this dumbest essay you're <laughs> doing, man. How many paragraphs? Come on. <laughs> this dude, though, he pushed, he wrote articles in the Chicago newspaper. He made parades. He put out ads and papers about how there should be a flag day. And mm. I thought about, I was like, can you imagine, no offense to him, but can you imagine how annoying it was to talk to Bernard? Like, you go up <laughs> to Bernard and you're like, hey, man, have you got to use one of those electric light bulbs yet? Those things are crazy, man. And he's just like, I'll tell you what's crazy. That we don't have a flag day. We need a flag day right now. And you're like, oh, Jesus, the flag stuff again. Yeah. Again. (laughs) Yeah, Bernard, it's cool, man. We like flags. Like, it's just, it's wild. So, anyways, Bernard is father of flag day. Hmm. Yeah. Now. Thank you, Bernard. Flag day is June 14th because the flag resolution was passed on June 14th. We passed the flag resolution on June 14th in the Second Continental Congress, Mike. Okay. And the resolution stated the flag of the 13 United States should be 13 stripes, alternate red and white, and that the Union be 13 stars, white stars in a blue field representing a new constellation. That's what Mm. it said. Yeah. Nice. Now, if you, if you notice, Mike, the old resolution there doesn't specify where any of that stuff goes. Nope. It just says what it is, right? Right. Doesn't say what the orientation of the stripes are. Doesn't say what the orientation of the stars. Doesn't say what type of stars. Yeah. It's kind of like somebody giving you a cooking recipe that's just the ingredients. <laughs> says yeah see what you come up with try it out right huh? and uh you know uh that's what happened basically flag makers for like 150 years just won it word they were yeah. like you know what yeah how many states are we at 30 let's throw those up there all right well you want to put them in a circle yeah that sounds good Smiley wow. face, dope. All right, I let's try that. Know that. So they were
1: improvising the flag a little bit.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you had you had a little bit of of uh, artistry license when you were making yeah. the flag. Interesting. There was no consistency until 1912. Mm-hmm. 1912. That's when people were like, "Hey, you know what? Should we have the same flag? That might be helpful." If everybody actually knew what our flag looked like, <laughs> that'd be cool, right? Yeah. So that's when they did that, and that was that was the forty eight starred flag, Mike. Sweet. The uh, forty eight starred because, of course, we didn't have two states, right? Alaska, Hawaii. Hawaii. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Nineteen sixty, we adopted the fifty star flag. That's the last time we made a change to the flag. Which is wild to me, Mike. I was thinking about that. It is wild. Both of my parents were born into a America with 48 states. Yeah. They had a 48-state flag. My grandma was almost before the 48-state flag. Wild. Jeez. Wild. So we've been at 50 for 63 years. And I was thinking about it. You know, we would have already added some more states if it didn't throw off our nice even number. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, Guam, they'd all be states. Yeah. But 53, that's just stupid. Nobody's going to uh, like, uh, uh, how many stars is that? 53. Lam. What? That is a, yeah, it's yeah, just, it's, just tacky. Nobody wants mm-hmm. that. Now, Interesting curveball, Mike, of Flag Day. Franklin D. Roosevelt, you've heard of that guy? Oh yeah, yeah. FDR, pretty famous, you know. Pretty famous, yeah, yeah. Arguably the famous, most famous president ever. Uh, yeah, George Washington beats him out, I would say. Hey, Lincoln, I don't know. It's called, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Those, George the, Washington I would say those, you know, those three guys. Yeah. Those three guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Franklin D. Though, you know, he's got he's got the record holder as far as most terms. He was like, two terms? F- I'm gonna to serve more than that. Can't I actually didn't know that. that. I had no idea, I did not know that. How yeah. many terms did he serve?
1: Four. Four.
0: Yeah, which Super was crap. good. We needed the consistency, Mike. We needed the consistency yeah. at the time. If not, we probably would have, uh, yeah, what? just fallen yeah. right down the crapper. Um, hmm. Mike, back in 1942, uh, right in the midst of that whole World War II thing, Uh, he proclaimed Flag Day to be United Flag Day. Hmm. So he said, all flags. Basically, if you're not a Nazi, we're celebrating your flag. That's pretty Mm -hmm. much what he was saying, which, you know, smart thing to do back then. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, we need a coalition to go against these guys. They seem pretty crazy and determined. That's a fact. Um, Yeah. So... He celebrated all flags, and Mike, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, it is. I am with FDR. So you know what? If you listen to the Doc G Show, and your country isn't committing, currently committing war crimes or other heinous acts, I'm down with your flag. Me too. So therefore, Mike, Singapore, Spain... Brazil, Canada, Germany, South Africa, France, Pakistan, India, Australia, England, Ireland, Italy, Denmark, Sweden, Mexico, Colombia, and of course, the U.S. of A. We are repping your flag. We are repping your flag today. Yeah, we are. Mike, are you ready to hoist the Doc G flag?
1: Yes. Let's hoist that show.
0: All three engines up and burning. Two, one. Zero and lift off. <laughs> Woo! We are hoisting it up, Mike. <laughs> That's right. We have an amazing show. We have the fantastic Carl Bremel hmm. of My Morning Jacket. Say what? My Morning Jacket. My gosh, these MMJs. Woo! They are popular, Mike. Yeah, they are. They are. They are those. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think they would. I don't think they actually fall, and and uh, I may have some uh, listeners that uh, cringe at this. I don't think they would be considered jam band, but people love their concerts. And anybody that the any artist that like their concerts, people sort of love. I tend to just yeah. sort of think jammy, jamish, you know, mm. because that's what you go, you go, you go jam at the concert, right? Yeah, and the concerts sure. are huge. It's crazy, Mike. They've yeah. sold out. They sold out Madison Square Garden. Mm. They they rocked. They rocked Bonnaroo so many years. It's crazy. They had a 4-hour yeah. set at Bonnaroo. 4-hour set from 12 a.m. to 4 a.m.
1: Wow. How
2: do you yeah. do
1: that? How do you pull that off? 4 hours? I mean, I'm sure they've got like a huge catalog, but you're doing covers, you're jamming. You're jamming. Yeah, Lots you are
0: jamming. jamming man. You are mm-hmm. jamming. And must they did be so it. So cool. They've done it, man. And uh, yeah. that four-hour set, pouring down rain pretty much the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I'm not afraid to admit it. If I was in that audience, I'd be like, hey, hey, guys, a warm bed? So true. Anybody s- s- Does that sound like a party <laughs> to anybody here? Huh? Yeah? Uh, not adventurous enough for 2 a.m. in the rain, Mike. That seems like a little oh, bit wow. too much. And yeah.
1: Also, with the all elect- the, oh, the electricity. Oh era. yeah. Oh,
0: oh. You gotta, I scary. mean, especially if I was up on stage, man. Ugh, got a got a gu- got a guitar that's electrified. No, thank yeah. you. Pass. But they imagine
1: uh, getting struck by lightning while you're holding the guitar. Like, yeah, you might be dead, but what a great last photo.
0: <laughs> you you would be you would be a rock and roll martyr, Mike. <laughs> yeah. People would be like, my God. He was sacrificed to the, the god of lightning and thunder. <laughs> well, and just be wild. Wild. Yeah. Mike, we are gonna talk to Carl. I can't wait to do it. But first, we need to start where we start. The birthday suit.
2: Happy birthday, Mr.
0: President. That's correct. Now, Mike. Uh, maybe two today? Word. I think you can get two. I think we can keep I think we can keep your head above water here. You are right, cool. 36 and a quarter out of 66. So we are still above 50%. That is good. That is This good. first one <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, born on June 14, 1961 in Kent, England. Our birthday suit wear was the second of five children in his family had a rough childhood with his father being abusive. When he became old enough, he left home and started immersing himself in the new romantic movement, looking up to people like Mark Bolin of T-Rex and David Bowie. He started a band called Culture Club. Their first album was Kissing to be Clever, which was released in 1982. It had the hits Do You Really Want to Hurt Me and I'll Tumble for You. I'll tumble for you. I'll tumble for you. Remember that jam? No. No. Ah, (laughs) man. Sorry, Dr. All right. Their next album, released in 1983, was an even bigger hit. It was Color by Numbers with the extremely popular Karma Chameleon. Come-a, come-a, come, come 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 chameleon. Mm-hmm. They come and go. Chame-go. They come and go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Okay. But the third album didn't keep the momentum. The album mm-hmm. Waking Up with uh, The House on Fire wasn't nearly as successful as the previous two. Our birthday suit wearer was heavily abusing drugs at the time, and in 1986, the group disbanded. Throughout the end uh, of the 80s and the 90s, our birthday suit wearer released solo songs, but none of them were as popular as the music he made with Culture Club. By by the 2000s, he had reunited with Culture Club and is currently touring with them. Name that oh. birthday suit wearer. I hope I'm right here. Boy George. Yes, Mike. Wow.
1: Woo! Oh, man. All right, so, Dr. let me just say something. That was just such a wild thing where, while you're going over all this, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, who is this guy? And the
0: name just comes straight to my head. Boop. What is that? It's
1: crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's
0: I thought you're. I thought for a second you were going to be like, ah, oh, so wild. Me and Boy George have been hanging out recently. Sweet. I thought he passed away. I thought no. he passed away. Nah, boy, boy's still kicking it. Boy's Good still kicking him. it. Awesome. And if if listeners uh, care to really waste some time, they can go back six years on the show's Instagram, and you'll see a great video of me and Justin singing Karma Chameleon together. Mm. Because we were celebrating George's birthday then. Mm. And we realized, you know, at that time, uh, because it was six years ago, uh, he was turning... Um, I forget, what was he turning, 50, 56. Yeah, he's turning mm. 56 then. Uh, now he's turning 62. But what me and uh, Justin determined was, you know, he might want to change his name to like, you know, just George or <laughs> Senior George. Senior George. Know. Yes, mm. exactly, you know. I like that. A little bit distinguished, but regardless, happy birthday to boy George. Turning boy George turning 62 man 62 Ah, for boy george looks great wow he looks awesome i was about to say you know know, i mean that's one of the benefits of wearing a lot of makeup you can definitely definitely keep it going for a little bit i like it i like it yeah um mike you ready to rip some headlines let's rip some headlines doc g what do we got it's now time for rip from the headlines Mike, you know I'm a fan of pirate treasure. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Got some, got some gold yourself. I've got some. I've got some treasure. I've mm-hmm. got a story here about some really, really cheap treasure. Mm. Mm. So Fritz Reyes was a German immigrant that lived in L.A. for decades with his brother. A few years back, Fritz passed away. And his brother moved away, and the house was left to Fritz's daughter, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was cleaning out the house, and she realized that Fritz kept everything. Bit of a hoarder, right? Mm -hmm. When they started cleaning, uh, they got to one little crawl space left, where they found dozens and dozens and dozens of bags of pennies. Jeez. (laughs) Now they never actually counted these pennies because there were so many, but they they weighed them and got a rough estimation. They estimate that there's at least one million pennies. At one least. million. One million, at least. Okay. Now uh, they mentioned Mike that he's, he's they've been trying to get rid of these pennies, right? So you know if you do if you do the math there, Mike, that's that's ten thousand dollars of pennies. I was just about to, and I don't have to anymore. Yeah, 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 at at least ten thousand. At least ten thousand dollars of pennies. Um, Now uh, you know these are copper pennies, Mike. Before we switch to zinc. Yeah. So now um, he tried to sell these on uh, OfferUp, the website Mm -hmm. OfferUp. And he yep. was asking $25,000 for just all of them. But nobody was going for it. They, they, you know, they'd be like, I'll take uh, 5,000 of them off of your hands. Uh, I'll take this many. But nobody wanted to take yeah. all of them, you know? But uh, looking at this treasure, Mike, I gotta say, um, they said in the article that Fritz bought. They think that Fritz bought these pennies when the U.S. switched off of copper pennies because he thought it would be like worth a lot. I don't know, one million. Eh, I think Fritz was doing some shady. Shit, you think? I think. <laughs> Uh, i i think he was like quietly robbing banks for their pennies and didn't tell anybody you know that's a fact had some yeah. kind of hookup at banks that he'd just go in and be like you got fifty thousand more for me <laughs> cool <laughs> and just over the years accumulated these million pennies man seems a little oh seems a little suspicious you know
1: yeah i don't
0: know a little suspicious. Watch out for Fritz and his crawl spaces. Coinstar. Anyway, man, I mean, he'd be he'd be there for a while. Oh God! Yeah, they actually brought that up too, and the and and I was you know I was the cheapskate immediately. It's like you're eight percent, man. You're losing eight percent. They're taking your money. Don't do it. <laughs> You roll those pennies yourself. Well, they're already rolled. You just go You go yeah. to the bank. You. I mean, like, you know, that's what I was like. Dude, just go to the bank every day and drop in, like, 100 of them and be like, mm-hmm. here you go. Here's 100 yeah. more. Like, I mean, yeah, is it going to take a little bit of work? Yeah, but don't be a lazy <clears throat> You got them for free. Come on. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Anyways, Mike, um, next headline here. I'm sure you've heard about this. The, the Canadian wildfires. Yeah, in New York, they, uh. There yeah, the, the sky not good. was yellow. Yeah. Not good, you know? Mm. So far, uh, roughly 11.1 million acres of forests have burned.
2: Jeez. Um, oh.
0: Not sure if you are uh, familiar, Mike, but that's not good. That is not... That doesn't sound good at all. Nope. No. You no. Know, it has destroyed people's homes, lives. Uh, You know, it's it's uh, wreaked havoc, obviously, on the climate wreaked havoc on the air quality. But finally, NPR wrote an article about the most devastating effects of these fires, Mike. Let me read you the headline. Hmm. Quote, blankets of orange haze may be unwelcome guests at weddings this weekend in the U.S. Oh, come on, NPR.
3: Really? <laughs> Why does it have to be NPR?
0: No, <laughs> not the weddings. Oh, I just, I just imagine the the conversation between a Canadian and some d- in Pennsylvania that's having a wedding. Like, uh, the forest fires were horrible. They, I lost my house, my belongings, essentially everything. All the beautiful forest around my house—it's all gone. I feel you. I feel you. Our wedding was a little smoky. <laughs> So true. So, yuck. Am I right? Gross. Like, come on. Seriously, Mike. Was this seriously? I feel like this article was written to make people hate the couples getting married, and guess what? It succeeded. I hated Mm -hmm. them. I was like, what? So stupid. So stupid. And it's it's, like you said, it's NPR. Come on, NPR. You're better than that. Yeah. Seriously, Mike. Last week a woman made news by pulling out a shotgun and threatening to shoot the tree trimmer in the yard beside her house. Mm, where in Texas was this? Ah, I was about to say, you got the wrong state, Mike. Ah. Uh, where in Florida was this? Bingo! Uh, there you there go. go. Second <laughs> choice. Second choice. Mike, what city do you think it happened in? All right. Um, ooh. There's
3: I no
1: place go. like home, Mike. Oh, Orl- Winter Haven. Haines City? Polk County. Orlando. They didn't, Orlando. They, didn't get,
0: they didn't get specific. Or I didn't okay. get specific. Okay. Just Orlando. Okay. Orlando. And Mike, I'm going I'm I'm going to throw out there. I'm going to throw this out there and it, it may be crazy. <laughs> um, maybe tree trimming isn't worth murdering somebody.
1: Mhm. No. Definitely not.
0: Just something for other Floridians to think about, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, that's a lot of sawdust in my yard. Should I murder that person? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. You know, I'm just... Like, who thinks that, Mike? Who thinks that? This, obviously this person, but why? (sighs) Why yeah. would you think that?
1: Like You know, I know we get we get upset about, the, you know, the blowers and the edgers and all these yeah. things around us. But the tree trimming, I think, is pretty much silent, right? Like, unless, like,
0: until the tree crashes. Well, or, you I know, mean, or I, something- I, get, I get upset at the the blowers and the trimmers. But have you ever heard me say, you know what? I think I'm going to murder that guy. And you were like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds understandable. Like, no, I'm just like, God, that me off. And that's it. That's That's the end of it, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's a little unnecessary, Mike. Mike, we might
1: look uh, at them a little like, "Hey, come on, really?"
0: But that's yeah. We give them a side eye, we but then when then when we realize they are much more physically <laughs> gifted than us with their muscles and their physical strength, we're like, "You know yeah. what? You continue doing what you're doing. Yes, Good. congratulations." <laughs> you know what? Um, Mike, this story. This is interesting. Last week. Uh, two lost hikers were luckily found by the police. They were found using a drone in Dutchess County, New York. Now, get ready for the embarrassing part. They were found about three fourths of a mile away from their vehicle. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the equivalent to calling the lifeguard to save you in the three foot end of the pool. Help! Help! Stand up! Oh, oh yeah! Oh, that's that is. There we go. And thank you, thank you for that. Like, come on. I I read this story, Mike, and they called the they called nine one one. Hmm. The the hikers called nine one one, which meant they obviously had their phones. Hmm. Good point. So unless they brought a flip phone from 1998, they had a flashlight and they had a map. And you're telling me they couldn't find their way back to their car with those two things? Blame. Like, "I I'm sorry. I don't know if I can support you as a person if that's the case." <laughs> you're going to I mean, Mike, they need to they need to get with your crew, the Bear Grills enthusiast, and go yes. out there and and survive, you yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, you compare the. Did you see the story about the the Colombian kids, that got mm-hmm. lost in the Amazon? No. So, or not the Amazon, but the rainforest. So, uh, yeah. uh, Colombians were. Um. Uh. They they were in a pl- uh, plane 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 crash. Four kids got lost in the rainforest. The oldest being thirteen, the youngest being like eight months or some. Like I mean, literally, wow. just yeah. uh, it might have been over a year. It might have been like thirteen months, mm. but it definitely was not over two years. Definitely not over two years. Right. Uh, and they were they were just rescued after forty days in the jungle. Oof. Yeah. Forty day, and they it wasn't like they were. I mean, they 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 they, they had some issues. But they were, like, thriving. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like two... They built a am- tree fort. They became yeah, the lost boys. Yeah, exactly. Like, our chance. <laughs> exactly. Two American adults were about to die after two hours a couple of football fields away from their car. And these four Colombian kids are looking like Wilson and Tom Hanks in Castaway. <laughs> like, it's cool. Yeah good. and got some got some fish. We're doing all yeah. right. like yeah, it's just uh, sad. yeah sad. it is. Sad. Mm-hmm. sad. That's why, Mike, we've got our Colombian flag flying this this mm-hmm. flag day. who's <laughs> <Ooh-hoo's clears throat> up? It yeah. is up. Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from none other than our guest. my morning jacket. This is off of their newest release mmj volume three bonnaroo 2004 we are going to hear the fantastic one big holiday right here on the doc g show We are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard uh, my morning jacket. So true. We are on Spinnaker Radio, WSKR, LP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Doc G, if the listeners feel like
1: the show is a positive way to waste their time, Mm -hmm. they should please subscribe on Apple Podcasts Mm -hmm. or wherever they get their podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if the listeners are feeling extra generous, they should leave us a five-star review and a comment. We love comments.
0: Amen, Mm -hmm. Mike. Preaching the gospel. Yes. The podcast gospel. Mike and we need to thank those that are already heavily invested in our gospel, the five-star five listeners. Yes, Amen. Yes. Amen, Mike. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Bloxy, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Tom's River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartansburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and... Hmm... Home of the Jade Chips, Chicago, Illinois. Yes, give Chicago. it a
2: go. Give it there we up.
0: go. New regular listener, Chicago coming in. Shy Town. What up? Very excited for Shy Town, Dan. Our, one of our new Midwestern hubs right there. Mm-hmm. Big Midwestern hub. The biggest, as some oh yeah. Some would say. And it's the home of the J Chips. So we gotta. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, Mike, I will have a J Chip. That's right. And no doubt. I like all chips, so I like them. That's a fact. But right now, oh, yeah. I'm just taking Chicago's word for it, that they are amazing. Home of the J-chips. Midwestern yeah. J-chips. We are glad to have you as listeners. We are. Mike, four-star listeners. We got some interesting ones. Mm. Here we go. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Manchester, Connecticut. Shout out to the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout out to Elmsdale, Canada. Hmm. Shout out to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Council Bluffs was getting in the listens, Mm. Mike. That's right. Every now and then, Council Bluffs will get it. Boyton, Virginia. Shout out to them. Kernersville, North Carolina. Mom used to get her car serviced in Kernersville, North Mm. Carolina. Yes. Kernersville. Yeah. Dryden, Canada. Dryden, Canada. Shout out to Norfolk. Virginia, Norfolk. Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Shout out to them. Gastonia, North Carolina. Shout out to them. Durham, North Carolina. Shout out to them. Palm Springs, California. Shout out to Palm Springs. Salt Lake City, Utah. All right. All right. There we go. Cape Town, Africa. And lastly, Richland, Washington. There we go. Four-star listeners. you. Nice. Thank- Thanks to all the listeners out there. We do do appreciate it. Um, Mike, real quick. Two things here. New evidence, Mike. There is new evidence in John Lennon's murder. Hmm. I thought we solved this. (laughs) Some would say that's true, Mike. Yes. I thought we figured this out. But David Wellen would n- say no, okay? Okay. David Wellen is an author, and he has got new evidence, listeners. New evidence in a case that's 42 years old and already solved. That's correct. <laughs> so, Mike, what's the new evidence you say? Yes. The new What evidence, is the new evidence? Sorry. What is the new evidence, Doc G? <laughs> Two different types of bullets were removed from John Lennon's body. Hmm. Now, uh, David Wellen, the author, uh, has claimed that this means two different shooters. Hmm. Two different shooters. Um, Even in the article, Mike, they talked to a ballistics expert, and he's like, Yeah, both those could come from the same gun. That usually happens. Usually, when you're a crazy murderer, you're not too worried what bullets you have. And no, so usually, uh, <laughs> you know, you know. But uh, without a doubt, Mike, author David Wellen has spent over three years painstakingly investigating every detail of this murder, and he has proved, Mike, he has proven without a doubt, he has way too much time on his hands. <laughs> yeah, he does. What the <laughs> are you doing? Yeah, seriously. Mike, the next thing he's going to do, he's jumping on that old imaging of the Titanic operation. He's the next. Guys, Uh, we're getting in there. Let's do it. That is a project (laughs) I can get behind. There you go. Necessary. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Mike will be excited once you get in that one. Do it. Do it. Um, Mike, uh, one other thing here. Interesting. In L.A., this past week, 38,000 pounds of illegal fireworks were seized, Mike. Hmm. In LA, Los Angeles, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hope they were immediately shipped to South Carolina where they're supposed to be. (laughs) We all hope they went back to their their home, Mike. We all know. You mentioned. Somewhere off 95 in the middle of the forest. Woo! (laughs) Sparklers, Roman candles... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You don't even know. Bottle rockets. Jeez. Oh, so much fun, Mike. It's coming. Less than, like, three weeks. Three weeks you can have that fun all over the place. Mike, uh, we're going to do one birthday suit here. Uh, Would you want the uh, women's basketball coach? She's very famous. Very, very famous. Or the uh, NBA player? Who do you want? Well, we'll go ahead and go with the one that I'm probably not going to get, the uh, ladies
1: basketball coach. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that I don't know a lot of ladies basketball coaches. I'm going hey, to maybe, argue maybe
0: I... this is the most famous of all. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Uh, born on June 14, 1952 in Clarksville, Tennessee. Our birthday suit wear had four brothers and sisters. They all love sports. But our birthday suit wearer loved basketball. She loved it so much, her family moved to another county in Tennessee because the school she was going to originally didn't have girls' basketball. Jeez. So they moved the family just so she could play basketball, which is insane when you think they did that in the 60s for women's basketball. Yeah. Loved it. That's Yeah. Loved it, man. She ended up going to the University of Tennessee, Martin. After college, she co-captained the inaugural women's Olympic team in 1976. They won silver. She took over the coach at the University of Tennessee in 1974. When she first started coaching, she was paid $250 a month, and washing the uniforms was part of her contract. Mm. Girl, come on! Came a long way. A, yeah, we have. Came a long way in 40 years. 50 years, give or yeah, take. What are they making now, $500 a month? <laughs> 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 Much more than that, Mike. <laughs> Still probably not too even with the old males, but you know. Yeah. Uh, she went on, coach 38 <laughs> amazing seasons at Tennessee. She won 1,098 games in her career. She oh. won eight national championships. She was oh. in the final four 18 times. She won the SEC title 16 times. She was coach of the year five times. She won the John Wooden Legends of Coaching Award in 2008. She's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and without a doubt, she is considered one of the best coaches of all time. Sadly, she passed away in 2016. Name that birthday suit wearer. Sorry, Doctor. I'm not sure. I don't even have a guess here. Let's see if the name rings a bell, Pat Summit. Pat, no, nope. Pat Summit is it? Yes. Pat was. She was. You know. She was. She was. Women's basketball. Like. Yeah. You know. You, you say something about you know the way people think of of uh, South Carolina and Connecticut now. That was Tennessee basketball for like. 1980 to 2005 or something like that and then Gino started taking over uh from connecticut and he basically ran things until uh in, until uh, south carolina took over but pat was uh she was the boss man she was the original boss uh, nice nice uh, nice and and like i mean you know you see it all the way through her, her childhood i don't think you could argue somebody loves basketball more than a person that you know moves counties gets the whole whole family to move
1: yeah. to play
0: basketball great parents by the way that's a that's a pro parenting move right mm, there do Let it your, man follow yeah make your kids happy yeah. uh, well doing something constructive don't make them happy yeah. so uh, hey mom i want to do a bunch of drugs sounds good we're getting those drugs. That's going to make you happy, son. Let's move to a county where these things are legal. Yeah, we're going to make this happen. But, you know, I mean, just... And, I mean, she had a whole bunch of stories back in the day. Like, I mean, when she was actually playing, when she was in college, she had a story where they played the same team uh, two two games in a row. And it was three days up apart at the, the opponent's uh, gym. They stayed in the gym in sleeping bags. Mm. Jeez. Because they didn't have the money to basically travel back and forth. So they just yeah. stayed there in sleeping bags and did not wash the jerseys could because they didn't have the ability to wash the jerseys. So they wore their mm. st- jerseys from the first game in the second game too they had a competitive advantage in that way yeah i mean <laughs> get away from me you just get <laughs> like the love of the game man talk about the love of the game shout out to pat yeah, that's awesome yeah for shout sure out.
1: and hey sorry doctor yeah, i just want to say you know that's cool i'm happy to know the history here because i am a like i'm becoming a, a huge fan of uh the local
0: WNBA team the las vegas a- aces. aces yeah They're awesome. It's a good team to get invested in, Mike, because they're pretty good. That's a fact. Yeah, they are. Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Carl Broomer from My Morning Jacket, right here on the Doc G Show. show because sometimes you need something playing in the background every wednesday at 7 p.m on
4: 99.5 fm spinnaker this is 95.5 spinnaker radio wskr FM, unf
3: jacksonville
0: welcome back to the show everybody we are super happy to have the guitarist of my morning jacket who have their new album mmj live volume three bonnaroo 2004 out now and will be in saint augustine this thursday Mr. Carl Bramel. how's it going, Carl?
4: Uh it's going good. I'm already in Florida. I'm already at the beach, so uh, I'm getting acclimated to. Uh,
0: there it to is. Place. Lounging. <laughs> I like it. I like it. How's the heat
4: treating you? It it's a bit shocking, but now I've been here for a couple days. It feels great. I just went out and got completely baked by the sun, and then now now I'm now I'm here with you. You got so, a,
0: good good uh, good toasty glow. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, now. Speaking of the new live album, I mean obviously we're we're excited about the show in Florida, but you guys only have I mean essentially it's you could see it as like two warm-up shows and then it's back to Bonnaroo for this year. Um 19 years after that 2004 show. When you come around to it cuz I know you don't play every year, but when you guys come around to Bonnaroo is is it circled on the on the calendar or is it you know is it just another spot on the map
4: (laughs) yeah that's a good question it's definitely circled on the calendar you know uh it it will always be a special thing you know the when you have your kind of first experience with a festival when bonnaroo in 2004 when bonnaroo was happening it was very different festival than it was now and when we were a band in 2004 we were very different than we are now so if we kind of like have grown in tandem in this strange connected way um so it it is going to be really fun to go back and play and kind of tie in with this this recording that um you know, it's been available, but our friend Tucker, who worked on the waterfall albums, mm-hmm. he did an incredible remix of this thing, and it just kind of like makes it sound the way it felt to us.
0: I, I was—I so, I was actually gonna—I was gonna ask that as far as you know, when you think back to playing in two thousand four, uh, I'm gonna—I'm I'm gonna guess that was—I mean, because you'd only been in the band a couple of months at that time, so that was one of the biggest shows that you had done i'm guessing
4: it definitely was you know it's funny what you do and don't remember i it took it took watching the footage for me to see my hand shaking (laughs) you know the close-up of me playing pedal steel and my right hand is shaking and i was like oh i was nervous now i remember uh But yeah, it it was a powerful day for us. And I think it was my 50th show or something like that. So early on.
0: Nice. I mean, going back and because there's there's the documentary there along with the album. Like you said, I'm I'm guessing when you went back and watched that stuff, it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, that happened.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, it it was was a total trip. I mean, we're all like... None of us really drink much anymore on the road. I mean, we're all just hanging out, smoking, having a couple of beers, walk up on the stage, not not a care in the world. You know, that's what it kind of looked like uh, to me. <laughs> now that I'm uh, 20 years older, I was like, "Wait, what's he doing?" <laughs> I would never do that now.
0: Got to prep, so. man. Put it in. Come on.
4: <laughs> well, it reminds me that it's like. We were just all about having fun then, and so I try to remind myself that it feels like work, or we're nervous or stressed out about something. It's like, man, at the end of the day, you can tap into the 2004 version of yourself and just go do it and have fun with it. You know, that's it was a more innocent time, so like it's it. good to be reminded.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, uh, unlike some of the band, you live very close to Bonnaroo year round. You live in Nashville, but I'm guessing you don't really ever pop down to Manchester there doesn't really seem to be much that you would just be like you know what I'm going to go down there to to Bonnaroo just to see how things are
4: I've only gone to Bonnaroo once when I wasn't playing with the jacket and that was when I did a super jam uh, so yeah I usually go when I'm performing Manchester's a pretty small town I'll, although I do like, really have grown to love East Tennessee is pretty beautiful mm-hmm. um, and I'm starting to discover that so who knows
0: all right, all right. Well, well, I mean, to go along with the the 2004, you also had the 2008 Bonnaroo set, which I know a lot of people sort of, you know, consider one of the most epic performances of, of uh, My Morning Jacket. It was the 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. for the listeners. Uh, you had Kirk Hammett. You had Zach Galifianakis. Do you have a favorite year for Bonnaroo? Or do you not...
4: You know, judge that, that show that you just talked about was not my favorite because it, <laughs> my because it rained the whole time. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so so in my as I was doing that show, I mean, I was trying to have fun, but I was like literally struggling to like make sure everything was working and and, and like just trying to execute the song. You know, and after a point, we you know when Zach got out there in his little orphan Annie outfit. <laughs> You know, I was back in and I was having a great time. And when Kirk Hammett came out and plugged in his wah pedal and started playing One Big Holiday with us, I was like, okay, this is all good. This is great. But I was really struggling that day to be totally honest. And, uh, uh, but yeah, you just never know. You never know at Bonnaroo what's gonna happen. It could rain, it could be too hot. You know, it just literally anything in between. And uh, that's what's fun about it, you know, and I, you know, you
0: just never know you yeah. just never know well with with Kirk Hammett uh i'm i'm guessing at that time i th- i think you know at that time you could say that was probably the 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 biggest or most well-known artist that you guys had played with at, in 2008 like uh by this time now we could go over this laundry list of all these super famous folks that you guys have gotten to share the stage with but like when you got to play with, with, with Kirk Hammett, was that like at that point the sort of peak like, Holy crap, that's that's Metallica's yeah. guitarist there.
4: Yeah, I mean it was it was definitely brushed with a, a real rock star <laughs> in, in, in a good way. He was really cool, man. He's he was always really supportive of the band uh, leading up to that point. I think him and the bass player used to listen to Still Moves and I think they had talked about it and stuff. So we were really grateful. To kind of have their endorsement you know just as a fellow guitar player so we were, we were super stoked and I think this why I said Rockstar because I, I think that he got a half stack amp delivered from Randall in a box and his tech set it up and as soon as we were done he just left it so, so, so all of our gear got packed up and sitting on the stage was his amp and and he was just like one one song and done. <laughs> you
0: you were like, can can
4: I take that? Are you gonna? I was like, wait, wait, what's going on here? You... Uh, hopefully, somebody who did, who needed an amp got that thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I feel like you know I, I've talked to to several artists that have got to play with like, you know, your are you're, you're well known big time guys like that, and I feel like. Uh, you know, one of the things that makes them so great a lot of times is is that it's really authentic as far as their want to jam. Like that's really all they wanted to do was get out there. I mean, did he seem like that as far as like enthusiastic as playing one big holiday and whatnot?
4: Oh, totally, totally. I think he. I think he was probably. You know, I, I share this too. Sometimes it's just so fun to jump into someone else's. Energy on stage and just see what they're doing and it, you kind of get a refreshment from it. He seemed really into it and uh, You know, I got the same impression from Trey Anastasio mm-hmm. He played with us a couple one big holidays ago or the last one big holiday and we were like, hey, let's do some covers." And she's like, no, man, let's do your songs and I was like, oh great, you know, so that I think I think he was also sort of like that and uh, I don't know uh, <clears throat> I get real inspired just being around other people's energy when they play music and scene. Like for some, those two guys are just like masters. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's not like they have anything to prove. Like the real masters are calm and they just really play. You know, like when I see Neil Young play, I'm just like, all I can think of is that he's mad. He's in that other zone that we're all trying to get. And with those guys, I feel that too. So I was just trying to really like just See if I could by osmosis get some <laughs> get some of that my way. They've they've um, they've got so, the Mr. Miyagi
0: vibe. A
4: hundred percent. Yeah, they've got that. I don't give a beep and this <laughs> is like this is me doing what I do just as much as I breathe. I I do this on the guitar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Uh well let's let's rewind for the listeners that, that aren't familiar real quick. Uh unlike the rest of the band, you're not uh, from uh, Louisville, you're from Indiana, uh, and you grew up, you know, real classical, violin, piano first, and I and, and I saw your dad was a professional bassoon player. Mm-hmm. You don't see many double yeah. reed players out there. That's uh, yeah, that's
4: a unique that's an unique business playing double reed like the oboe or bassoon. It takes. It takes a mighty, uh, strong soul.
0: Yes. Yeah. Did he want you to follow in the orchestral footsteps or did you naturally just sort of gravitate towards music?
4: I think, you know, I just kind of naturally, it was just around, you know, it was just like well, the water I was swimming in, you know, that all the music that he was doing and I was going to see him perform and, you know, meeting all the musicians backstage and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So... He got me started on the violin, piano, I had to really kind of advocate for myself that I wanted to play guitar and he and he let me, you know, uh, and he encouraged me some, and I don't think he, it was just in an area where he just isn't, not that familiar with it, you yeah. know, he, he knew Andres Segovia, so he was like, you should learn how to play classical guitar, I'm like, okay, I'll do that and I'll learn, you know, all the songs I hear on the radio, which is what I wanted to do. So it was cool to have his perspective on it. I, I really like hearing what he thinks of our music with, with the jacket. Yeah. You know, he'll have a lot of different references. he would be like, "That Jim's voice sounds like Ema Sumac, you know? Or, you know, it's like he's a super far out amazing singer. And I'm like, wow, he kind of does, you know? Yeah. Most people will say, it sounds like Roy Orbison or whatever. But my dad says Ema Sumac. So I'm, I'm always going to him kind of to see what he thinks of what we're doing. Cause, yeah. Yeah, he just came from a whole different era
0: well and i mean you ultimately did go to college for classical guitar what what artists would you say you know you're talking about playing the songs on you know on the radio there what would you say when you were growing up was the biggest that sort of just pushed you that you were like i gotta play guitar i gotta do that
4: Got anything on the radio at the time i remember really liking like the outfield and yes. i really liked brian adams and I got into like Def Leppard and really into Van Halen. And my dad really liked Van Halen. He he could hear the classical music in Van Halen. Oh yeah. Um. So I studied a lot of that stuff. And then, and it was cool. I liked going to classical music school. I mean, I was playing in rock and roll bands the whole time, but really getting that discipline from being in school. And I knew I wasn't going to stick with it forever. But it was like just kind of like what I was saying, like absorbing different things and getting to, uh, I also studied recording and stuff like that. Cause I knew that would be a little more applicable to my life, but just the technique of playing the classical guitar really can help you, you know? And I really, I think that you should, it doesn't really matter what instrument you play because a lot of it's cross pollinating as you go through your life. Like maybe the most important thing you can do when you're a kid is learn how to sing, mm-hmm. you know,
0: <clears throat> it's uh, so, man. I, I was just I was just I was lost in the the outfield there when you when you brought that up. Every now and then I'll forget that your love exists and then I just it, it comes on the radio and I'm like, "Oh, that's such an awesome song. It's an amazing <laughs> jam. Like it's so
4: good." Right, right. I mean, the the 80s stuff is is, you know, there's something to it, you know. And I think I think it was like I love I think the technology present right as the, as the digital stuff was coming on, the analog stuff was coming off in the 80s, it was a like good mishmash of things with the drum machines, but still going through a console, still going through a tape machine, mm-hmm. and taking the time and and, ha- and list like, I don't know how deep you want to go into this, but recording for me, if it gets too visual with the computer screen, it can be really distracting to me, and I think I think that's why the 80s stuff holds up is because they had to do it old school, even mm-hmm. though they had the new technology. There's a good mixture. It was a good overlapping time, I
3: mm-hmm. think.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean, I you
0: know, I'm I, I I I've I've had this discussion with a lot of artists, but I will usually say that I'll you know if if forced, I'm gonna put seventies first as far as my decades favorite. I'm going to put 90s probably in a close second, but I, I still, there's tons of 80s songs that I love. There's, I mean, you just, I mean, it's, it's,
4: yeah, it's great. Well, it depends on, it depends on what you're drinking too at that time. So if you're drinking margaritas, 80s is the best. That's true. If, it's if true. you're drinking beer and maybe having a smoke, I the mean, 70s is the best. And if you're, uh, if you're, uh, drinking out of your mom's liquor cabinet, it's the 90s. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If you've if you've got a troubling drug problem you've probably wandered into the 90s would be my I mean man those guys those guys have some issues uh wh- yeah is, as far as as far as college uh and doing classical guitar it's like you said you did have your your hand in a lot of a lot of areas w- were you sure what you wanted to do at that time did you know or was it just like well I'm gonna play some music see what happens.
4: I thought I knew. I mean, I had a band at the time called Old Pike and we all lived in the same house and we are all going to school. Most of us are going to school and we ended up getting signed and making a record. And, you know, so we were definitely working hard and playing tons of shows and just trying to, you know, make a career out of it. So I had like this kind of first round in the music business. And then that ended up not panning out, and we all kind of shattered and split up, and and then when I ended up being in LA, I, I met the Jacket guys when I was in LA, mm-hmm. uh, doing doing pickup work and playing guitar and for a bunch of people, and uh, and then, th- then when this kind of coagulated, it was really interesting. It, it's kind of one of my biggest life lessons, is like, yeah, the people, like I'm still doing the same thing, but it's just totally different family. You know, I'm still friends with the old guys, but I thought for sure that was my band, you know, yeah. it was my band. Mm-hmm. And so you just never know. Um, I, I just think I had the perseverance to kind of keep rolling the dice enough times, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some doubt. There's definitely a lot of doubt in the But but, but the music, being in music school, you see the people who rise to the top and the people who need to be there. They kind of don't question it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. You know, as you're doing it, it's just like this is just this
0: is just the thing for me. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned you you go out to L.A. after um, a- after college, and you're doing a bunch of these odd music jobs, uh, and you're coming back from one of those gigs one night, and I read in an article it said you heard a song that brought you to tears did you did you really have tears
4: this is true this is a true story i'll never forget it i mean so there's a great station you probably heard of kcrw
3: Mm
4: -hmm. la and i had kcrw on maybe i switched to it and it was the second half of the song i will sing You Songs," which has no vocals except for just some oz or whatever and i was playing with the band and it was going okay but it was frustrating the personnel was frustrating and i I just felt trapped in a weird way, like in a bad job, you know, I was like, do I really, is this really worth it? You know? Um, and I heard it and I was like, man, I would do anything to play music that sounded like that, like anything. And I, and I was just I, that this it, the end of that song is one of my favorite things that Jim's ever written. And in that moment when that's what music is for, it's for that connection of like, wow, like that's so simple triumphant and sad and beautiful at the same time you know it, it all connected there for mm-hmm. me and and so when I I don't know how many weeks later it was when I got called to audition but you know I went to Amoeba and bought all the records that they had put out at the time and sat down and started learning everything and that song came on and I'm like oh my god that. <laughs> Like this is mine. Like this is my thing. Like I, please. I
0: was about to say like at that time, you know, I I would have had to been like, well, I've got to get this position. This has got to yeah. be my 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 position.
4: Yeah, it, it's like I'm not real into fate, but sometimes you sometimes there's some things that happen. And you're like, wow, that is yeah, pretty unique.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that uh, that that's that's wild, man. Well, uh, a year after you joined the band. You guys put out what, uh, you know, some people would say is is their favorite album, their favorite My Morning Jacket album, the Z album. Um, being new to the band uh, and it being like the first time you're actually recording with them and whatnot, what do you remember about recording that album?
4: Man, so much. Uh, well, we went to a great studio in upstate New York to record. But we also spent a month in Louisville. We rented an old house in Louisville downtown and worked on all the music. Worked really hard, made demos,
3: <clears throat> uh,
4: and hung out and kind of just got to just go out for a drink and you know just be be pals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that studio called it's called a I think it might be reopened. It is an incredible place. Like it's definitely giant inspiration. Being and we were. <laughs> I guess I could just tell you a couple anecdotes. I mean, we were trapped up there. It snowed when we got up there, like literally where you have to wear snowshoes to go walk outside. And, um, you know, we were snowed in. One night we watched The Shining and we got real freaked out because we were stuck.
0: <laughs> that is not for me. Yeah, no, no we thank you. We had a you. night
4: where we, we had a bunch of fireworks and, you know, shot them off everywhere. I was scared we were going to light the place on fire. <laughs> um... We played a lot of Nintendo Ice Hockey, you know, the original Nintendo ice hockey game. Yeah. Um, and and we also managed to make that record um, with John Lucky, who was a great producer. I love that guy. He was he was fabulous. We had great dinners and good hang sometimes we'd just like hang out after we recorded all day and listen to like some five point one mixes and you know, listen to Harvest really loud with the lights down. You know, it, was, it was a fun time. It was really really special it was kind of like the that era of 2004 where no one was thinking oh you have it has to be successful or it has to be as good as the last one it was just like who knows maybe this is the last one let's just enjoy it would
0: well, did you get a sense when you when you guys were close to finishing it like man this is gonna be this is gonna be a great album this is gonna be
4: i think i mean i think we all felt that way but no one was saying it Okay. You know, uh, it's a little bit of a jinx. Yeah. This is going to be the greatest thing. But we definitely, as we were working on it, and we weren't working in a computer, which as we were working on it, you had had to be very patient and listen back to things and kind of go slow and be methodical. So when we did sit, you know, after a glass of wine, after dinner, and listen back to what we'd worked on that day, it sounded really finished and like satisfying. Mm. You know, so we were kind of like, yep, all right, next song. You know, it just kept going like that. And uh yeah, so new to the band, everything was fresh and new and it's nothing better.
0: It's uh, you know, I, I get I get the feeling um, everybody in the band doesn't put a lot of stock into this, but but Z was uh, on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, it was at 457. Uh, do you guys notice those things? Like I, I, as a dude that had nothing to do with the album like that, I tried to put myself into the creator space, and I was like, one, I would be amazed that out of the millions of albums that have been made, we were on there. But I still feel like I would be like, ah, I think I'm better than the album. I think we're better than those ten above us. Like you know, like is it a little bit like that, or do you just put that aside? Don't even notice those things.
4: Yeah. I don't want to be number one. I don't want to be in everyone's crosshairs. I'd much <laughs> rather be wherever. Wherever someone's opinion puts us, it's good to be in the game, you know? Like, as far as awards and nominations and lists and stuff, it's, it's just nice to be in the game. I, you know, I remind myself of that stuff too when I'm you know, in, in the grind of whatever it is. I'm like, you know what? This, this matters to people and like, um, it depends on how you gauge success. You know, sometimes that kind of stuff is good to remind you that you're in the game and um, that people care about records the way that I care about other records. You know, because I do. really do. And yeah, when I saw the list of the best guitar players or something, Jim and I were on there, that was the one where I was like, whoa, 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 we are way too high. There's a lot of people that aren't there. I got real touchy with that one. But the, the albums, you know, albums are so subjective. In my opinion, and um,
0: it it, it yeah. is with guitars. I could see you know just it well, and it, it's like we actually had. Uh, so I had I had Dwayne uh, Dwayne Betts on the show uh, a little bit ago, and um, you know his dad's uh, uh, Dickie Betts. And um, in the history of the Almond Brothers, there was a, a, a show where uh, Zach Wilde, stepped in for Dickie Betts because he was unavailable for reasons. And, um, uh, you know, it's sort of infamous because Zach didn't really fit uh, Almond Brothers' stylings. And, like, that's the thing with those lists as far as top guitarists. It's like... Well, I mean, it's hard to judge Styles. Like you got, you know, you got Dimebag Darrell's on there, and then you got Robert Johnson, and then you've got uh, Eric Clapton, and they're all just sort of, you know, completely different. So, it's, it's
4: yeah, it's really tough. It's basically, saying to me, to me that the fact that that list is so varied is just saying the guitar is an incredible instrument.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: like if you think of it that way, it kind of makes it all better. <laughs> it's like, you know what people have done and continue to do, it doesn't feel like it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it feels, feels exciting and there's, there's lots of great guitars that are currently being made that are amazing and you can do the vintage version or you could, you know, there's so many styles and, I don't know, that's what keeps, keeps it great. I mean, same thing with the studio. It's like, I love being in the studio because I never know uh, how it's going to go. Something, if you feel like you know what you're doing, it blows up in your face. <laughs> if you're very humble and innocent, it tends to go well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good good life lesson in there.
0: Nice. Well, I mean, uh, two guys that are very familiar with the studio that you guys have gotten to play with and that I think are, are heroes of yours, um, Bob Dylan and, uh, and Neil Young. Uh, back in 2013, you guys toured with with Wilco and Bob Dylan, and it seems from what I could gather, a little bit of a letdown maybe because Bob wasn't like the the socialite everybody thought or ho- was hoping for at least.
4: <laughs> yeah, I've never spoken to him. Um, I you know with someone like him, it just got to be impossible to exist. Yeah, you know, I it's like I have a lot of empathy for that whole world that was really that tour was really fun i mean we had a great time hanging with wilco and you know we I, we got to meet bob weir on that tour mm-hmm. so we kind of became friends with a different bob and i was like i'm like this bob is great you know like he's he's my man we can hang and and play together and have fun and uh so that was really the blessing it was getting to meet bob weir on that tour for shout, me shout and, out to bob and were, <laughs> totally and he's great he's he had some amazing stories, man. You need to get, you need to interview him somehow. I would, I he'll, would love it. Wait. I'd also love to ask him about his workouts.
0: That dude still cranks out the workouts. I love getting those on my yep. feed on, on social media. All of a sudden I'll just see Bob cranking out some medicine ball tosses and some rows. And
4: I'm like, you get it, Bob, you get it, man. Yeah. He's got it. There's no other way to tour when you're over 50 without working out a lot. There's just no way. I, I, I don't think. So. Um, what else? You asked me about... Oh, playing with Neil. So Neil is like my my shining star. I don't know him that well. I mean, I've talked to him a couple of times. And we, we played Bridge School, and he sat in with us. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite things I've ever done. We played Harvest Moon, and I got to sing the background vocals. And... Neil looked over at me as I was singing and kind of nodded at me and I was like, I'm good.
0: (laughs) You forgot what you were doing for a second?
4: Huh? What? I I lost it. I walked off stage in tears. I was like, I cannot believe that just happened. And um, I've seen him play so many times before and after that moment. You know, like he just has that thing. He's the the grandmaster of that kind of Mr. Miyagi thing with the guitar for me, because uh, I just don't think it would have mattered what instrument he played. It would have been. Mm-hmm. Him. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. I mean, you you've mentioned several, and we've talked about it as far as um, collaborations, working on stage, working with different artists, and it seems like a lot of you guys in the band, you and Jim uh, in particular, you, you 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 know when you guys take breaks sort of like you go and you do completely other things. You go with other, you know, artists or you do a solo album. And I love it because it, you've I've, I've heard you talk about it before. You, you get inspired and it gives you new sort of fuel for my morning jacket. I mean, is that the way that you guys sort of see it when you come back?
4: Yeah, I mean, it just sort of happens naturally to, you know, idle hands. <laughs> you know, I start to get a little restless. And, and I make a lot of musical friends along the way. Mm-hmm. And you're always like, eh, someday we should get together and mess around. It's like, but I, when I say that, I actually mean it and I want to do it. And uh, uh, so for me, it's, it's also a big learning curve. You know, <clears throat> I'm always trying to learn how to record better and produce and learning how to mix and stuff. That's really interesting to me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of following that. And then when we come back to the band, it's really fun to be like, I'm just a guitar player and I'm, but I'm here to help with the songs and all that stuff. And that's cool. But I like to be the producer for other things. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have, then I, then then my world shrinks a little bit and I can just be in the, in the zone. And I think I'm the, the thing I'm most skilled at, if I can say it is being in a band with other people and collaborating, but not being the front man. Mm -hmm. That's not my thing, you know? Um, I will try it. I'll always do it. It's like getting in the front car of the roller coaster. It's like, I don't really love that the most. I'd rather be a little bit farther back. But I, you have to do it every once in a while to realize that's still the case. So that's kind of how I think
0: about it. Remind yourself. Well, I mean, uh, some of those collaborations, you just you completed an EP and an album with Future Birds, uh, and you guys have done a bunch of shows uh, together together. Uh, now, did that start as you producing their work? Was that how it sort of blossom into those albums and, and EPs?
4: Yeah, it did. Uh, that was the original idea, but it was a lot more fluid uh, in that, you know, Carter and the rest of the guys were like, do you want to do one of your songs? And I was like, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> so they're very, those guys are super collaborators they've got three lead singers everyone's writing songs and it's just like it was really cool to see how they did it you know Mm -hmm. to be like okay this now we're gonna work on your song and everyone else falls into that support role and then another person pops up and that person falls back down and then they were really encouraging me and I was like let's try it you know it's like so that was a huge eye-opener for me and she see how they do it and they're kind of on the same track i think as the jacket in a way because they've spent over 10 years in a van and they've consistently made good records and they uh you know they're starting to build on that momentum right now and i was really grateful to be asked you know like they i think they're actually recording with someone else now making another record you know so like uh, that's great, and you know, they gave me a shot at it. I was like, do you want me to mix it? They're like, sure. I'm like, okay, I know how to do this, right? <laughs> like, Let's do it together. We just do it all together. Those guys all know how to make records, so it wasn't like I had to do any hand-holding or anything of the sort. It was more of that they were they were pushing me as much as I was pushing them, that's, that's for sure.
0: Nice. nice. Well, now, they're going to be at... Uh, one big holiday. The the seventh installment next year. Uh, you guys uh, finished up one big holiday, 2023, about a month ago or so. Um, how how fun is one big holiday? It, it, does it feel different? Do those shows feel different than you know regular shows on the tour?
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, it. You know, you everyone is basically clocked out of their real lives you know there's no especially the first couple nights there's no like well what do i got to do tomorrow <laughs> you know it's like i gotta do this again you know so that that kind of permeates the whole thing and yeah you know we really worked hard to try to get a, you know an interesting lineup and hopefully i mean i'll definitely plan on collaborating with the future birds but i hope that there's more collaboration kind of happening with everyone as the as the weekend goes by, um, I really look forward to it because we kind of we kind of take it as a home a home game, mm-hmm. meaning we try stuff or be stupid and you know uh, it, just it, kind of see yeah. It's what all
0: the, it's all the biggest fans. They all they want they want to see trying stuff. They want to see going out on the limb and 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 collaborations and everything else. That's
4: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly.
0: Well, now, I, I saw just the other night you guys celebrated 1,000 shows. Again, as far as, like, reactions to things, what was the cumulative band reaction to that milestone, to going
4: 1,000? Huh. It, it was wild, you know. Well, I got to say, I have not played a 1,000 my morning jacket shows. It's, it's Jim and Tom, so are two of the, form, the forming members
0: did you get like and, a, a subsequent like 776 uh, cake or something like that
4: yeah i'll have to ask tom cuz tom actually has kept track of everything he's got a pretty good log of mm. all the shows so he's the guy who actually was like hey by the way it's, it's either today or tomorrow that jim and i are at 1000 wow and um, but for those guys i think it was really huge because the band really kind of took off when we were when they were in holland mm-hmm. when they first they were having bigger crowds in amsterdam than they were in louisville at, at, some, at some point which is before my time but so and so we were back in belgium when we played that show and uh, or, or utrecht uh in holland so it's kind of wild i mean holland it, it's a beautiful place the lowlands are amazing the people are very unique and special and so I kind of fit the band in a weird way. It's a weird band, you know, and it's like, a, and that's a weird place to hang out and be compared for an American, you know.
0: Yeah, full full circle, man.
4: Full circle. Mm-hmm.
0: But now, I mean, being in the band, you know, now you've been in the band for for almost twenty years, um, and you've made it past several points in the band. I mean, as a band, not you in particular, but as a band that you guys might th- you thought well, maybe we're not gonna do this anymore we're uh, you know we're not gonna make another album uh i'm guessing by this point do do you have expectations like do as, as a band do you go like here's here's our trajectory here are the things we need to do or is it just like hey let's let's make another tour and then we'll we'll cross the next bridge when we get there
4: i think we're into fine-tuning it Really, it's kind of like the the only marching order is fine-tuning what works for everyone and trying to really, you know, collaborate on it and not 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 overdo it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be the, the kind of the plan. I'm not sure how long or short it will be, but I, I think we're really stoked on fine-tuning it. And you know, we started recording new music already, nice. but instead of rushing to finish it and trying to get it out right away we decided to like let's just take a beat do this year's touring and then come back you know um so that's kind of a new approach i think in the past we would have been like oh you got to put out a new record otherwise it doesn't make sense to go on tour like screw it why don't we just play some of our new songs on the road you know it's like we're probably going to play some new songs on this next leg um just to try them out and see how it goes uh which, which in the past we've never done that so we're kind of into new Doing something new and trying to fine tune the old old stuff. I, I love it. We're
0: actually I was talking uh, to another guest about that. It's it's like a comedian, you know, taking taking the new jokes out and trying them out to to the crowd and sort of honing them. You'll you'll you'll, you'll yeah. probably come back after that and be like, oh, we're gonna record this completely different than we were before this.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that's the trick. of Our when we play on stage, we just have so much kind of energy and like excitement. Sometimes in the studio, we get really kind of in our heads and low energy, and the lights are low, and we're tired, and we start to like wilt a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to like figure out how on the next record how to kind of harness what we do live. So we're, that's what, I think we just got to workshop it exactly like we were saying, and just start playing it. And it's okay if someone hears the song off of a iphone recording it doesn't matter you know like what matters is getting the making the best record we can next
0: yeah and so so i mean you could say that's sort of one of the goals of the new album is to get more of a live feel to it
4: yes and i don't don't really know what to do exactly how to how to do that but we're, we're talking about it working on it and no rush now we got we got we have time jim has so many ideas like it is also just going to take some time to work through everything
0: nice well i'm sure i'm sure listeners are excited for it carl we are up against a break uh but i want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today man
4: yeah thanks so much for sure nice to meet you.
0: yeah listeners you can check out everything my morning jacket at their website www.mymorningjacket.com Make sure to check him out Thursday in St. Augustine uh, at the St. Augustine Amphitheater with our former guest Will Dorado opening up for him. You don't want to miss that. Right now, let's take a listen to Golden live from Bonnaroo right here on the Doc G Show.
2: Watching stretch road I light explode Drifting off a thing I'd never done before Watching the crowd roll in Apple, the lights of begins, Feeling in my bones i never felt before Oh
0: Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard my a morning jacket, fantastic. Mike Carl, nice, nice name. I always like you know. I, it might just be because me and you were Mike and Ben, but I like simple mm-hmm. names. It's just a uh, yeah. When I get a Carl, I'm like, look at that, one syllable. Yeah, yeah. And Carl, you know, mm-hmm. I I always it's sort of my default. I don't know about you, but whenever I have a friend that's named Carl, default Crazy Carl. It's always mine is Carol. Yeah, you just turn him into yeah, Carol. My, my my buddy's name is Carl. Yeah, I call him Carol. I get it. I get it. I call him I call him <laughs> Crazy Carl because of Billy Madison. You know uh, okay. when at the beginning he's like Crazy Carl is right, and so mm. and he. Great film. Any car any Carl, I go with Crazy Carl. But Crazy Carl was good, man. It was good. I, I uh you guys need to go see the show tomorrow. Yes you do. It's a, it's a live show in it, I don't know why I said it's a live show, of course. <laughs> they're putting <laughs> they're putting up a recording Holograms. of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a live show at the amphitheater, outdoors, man, in Saint Augustine. You got the breeze, you got the music. It's gonna be good. It's going to be good, Mm. man. You need to get out there. Check it out, listeners. You need to listen to their new live album, Carl's Just a Good Time. We've got plenty of good guests coming up next. But, Mike, we need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Mike C, top three. Amen. Amen. Now, Mike, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't as motivated for this topic Mm. as I wanted to be. Really? I think it was just because there were just too many. I was just, uh, it was just, I was over, overran with possibilities. And I was like, I I, I don't, I I don't even know. And I broke the rules on one of them. I'm going to be honest. It's not, it didn't even fall into our broad category. And and you'll see how. But regardless, listeners, the category for today's top three, top three movie cars. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, this is another one, Mike, where I was like, "How do I want to approach this? Do I want to approach it as just something that I want to ride in? Do I want to approach it as something that I'm marveling at? Uh, am I am I getting it for its uniqueness? Because I mean, let's be honest, it would be pretty great to have a car that can go back to the future. That's a fact. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, I I was I was torn. So I went with the just generic, I want to drive this thing. Okay. because it's it's cool right so that's cool. what i went with so anyways mike do you have any honorable mentions i think we should probably do the
1: honorable mentions at the end because i think we're my honorable mention might might uh
0: ruin life yeah. Jeez. Okay. Right. well
1: yeah <laughs> and also i think i broke my own rule oh okay i said movie i said movie you cars. did tv too I
0: did a TV car too. Okay, I did a TV car too. Good. That was what I broke. That's what I broke. So we're good. (laughs) Listeners are like, son of a. (laughs) We got all movie cars. (laughs) You ruined this, you turds. Okay, anyways, my number three, Mike 1976 Firebird Trans Am Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, good car. Good car. Classic. I mean, you can't get more. Well, you can get. I was about to say you can't get more country hillbilly than that, but
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Duke's a hazard would beat him out for that. But I'm not. I'm not getting the General Lee. That's no, no. I'm not doing that. So nope. Firebird, Trans Am, Smokey and the Bandit, uh, just a cool car. You're Burt Reynolds. You got a mustache. You're out running. Oh, yeah. You're out running the the police on the back mm-hmm. roads. Chest hair is flowing. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just blowing out of your shirt, getting in the in your eyes. You're like, ah, oh, chest hair.
2: Oh, oh God, it's
0: good stuff, Mike. It's uh, good stuff. hilarious, Mike. You're number three. What do you got? Magic school bus. <laughs>
3: Sweet.
1: Oh, I like gosh. that creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like magic it. Magic school bus. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you
0: can go anywhere. I was about to say, I automatically think with the magic school bus. Of the one where they shrink down and go into the human body. I don't Me know. too.
1: That was the first thought. It was yeah, like,
0: yeah. That was a wild episode. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I would be if I if you could actually do that. I would be so grossed out at every person after that. Like just thinking about what I saw inside. <clears throat> oh that's in them they had a ride at epcot wasn't there a ride
1: at epcot like where they shrink down and you go into the human body oh and and like uh Mm. but it was like it was i think they got rid of the ride because it was like motion sick they people were getting motion sickness too gross
0: yeah god yeah i could see that either either way but it would be really interesting
1: I think they turned the ride into the um the, the bodies type? exhibit. No, the uh what's the ride where you fly through the cities on a like a hang glider or whatever. Mm. That was the ride at Epcot. Soren. Soren. I think Soren is was uh the, huh. the, the Yeah. They converted. Anyways.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Interesting.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Magic
0: school bus though, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, again, that's, that's, uh, if I was thinking most potential as far as what can you do with this car, yeah, then that would be on my, my top list. Uh,
4: yeah.
0: Number two for me, Mike, 1986 Ferrari Testarossa from Miami Vice. Mmm. Good car. Yeah. Now, it was tough for me. Because for the first three years of Miami Vice, they didn't actually use the Ferrari Testarossa. They used a Ferrari replica in the first three seasons. And technically, if you want to get like the most memorable scene of Miami Vice, it's with the black replica Ferrari. That's the scene where they've got Phil Collins in the air tonight and they're getting ready to go bust the perps. And Ooh! I hope they have a little YouTube video of this. I'm oh, they've watch got that. it. They've got it, and oh, it is, it is immaculate. I tell everybody to go lunch. watch it. It's a psych up, and it's so ah. it's just like so perfect because anybody that hasn't lived in Miami, you got to do it. It's it, it it's, it's just a different vibe when you're there. It's just <laughs> a different place. Yeah, and and it's it just captures it perfectly in that and you're just like i i want to be i want to be a cop busted drug dealers in my ferrari yes that's right and why do i have a ferrari i'm a cop (laughs) why the hell do i have a ferrari but it doesn't matter man it's just such an awesome one such an awesome one. yeah beautiful car
1: mike you're number two Uh, 1992 ford explorer jurassic park jeep <laughs> or not i guess it wouldn't be a jeep just the no, Jurassic the, the Park, ford explorer ford yeah, explorer. yeah. yeah
0: for the holo, with the uh sorry hollow the transparent um, yeah see-through yeah, so the, you can see the yeah. uh, t-rex coming t-rex, down to eat yeah, you yeah, yes yeah that's yes awesome. i uh yeah that's a dope that's a dope ride at first i thought mm-hmm. when you said when you said ford and you said 1992 i was going to oj and his bronco <laughs> i thought i was like really <laughs> But uh, you gonna go with? All right, another show car. <laughs> show car from a this just <laughs> in special. This guy is running from the police. TV. Um, yeah. yeah, man, that's a good one. That's yeah. a nostalgia yeah, yeah, yeah. car. That doesn't really have the power that the, the Magic School Bus does, though.
1: mm no way. Mm-hmm. See, so the Magic School Bus was the car. So I, I thought of it like, yeah, so you would have the, the categories of the car you would want to drive, the car that, you know, takes you to a special, like, place, and mm-hmm. then, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that was my... Uh, hitting my, it my from, di- hitting it from different approaches. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got That's
0: you. my getting around car, yeah, the Jurassic Park. The My number one, Mike it's nostalgia it's mm-hmm. looks it's just everything Batmobile from the 1989 Batman yes, nice yes that's a good that was yeah that was a good one it's just it's the, to <laughs> me it's the best Batman it's just I mean it's the it's just sleek it's got the giant rocket on the back yeah you just, it's got the cool Shields, where he says shields, and it just becomes an impenetrable fortress mm. of metal. Oh, it's just so cool. Yes, I got to see
1: the shields version of that. Yeah, what happens when the, with because I know the the um, 1989. All, yeah, because I know the car looks totally different when the shields.
0: Yeah, all all the windows board up with metal, and then the the even the wheels they get a little cool because it's it's so cool and the like the actual scene of the movie oh, yeah and the toy they have a toy that it's like they have the shield
1: for the yeah car. Mm-hmm. oh that's awesome the cocoon Mm-hmm. very dope very yeah, okay
0: dope. that's my number one mike number one right. and i, I would right. say i would say for me that was probably like the first car that i saw in anything that i was like i would like to own that mm-hmm. that would be fun you know yeah so there you go and you can i mean Mike, if you had a lot of money and
1: you know, knew a custom, <laughs> had a couple
0: designer. million dollars hanging around, mm-hmm. it'd be awesome. Mike, you're number 1. So I'm going to push back on your uh
1: Batmobile. I th- I think the coolest Batmobile and my number one would be the Tumblr mm-hmm. from uh the Christopher Nolan Batman. See, I think that cuz it also has a
0: motorcycle inside of it. If you need it's to, got, I mean, it's got very know? cool things. It's very utilitarian. Yeah. Yeah. You know? like, yeah, that's I mean, what I like. That's the thing is you got all like it goes invisible. I mean, that's obviously nice. <laughs> it can jump. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. You can just jump yeah. over things. Like it can do all kinds of things, but it just doesn't look as cool. Like that's the yeah. thing is like to me, like it just. I mean, it looks like some kind of like mutated Humvee. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. 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 That's not that's not drawing me in. I mean, I get it. It like it's it's one of those things. Like if I. If I needed a car to be a superhero, I'm going to be choosing that one. I'm going to be choosing mm-hmm. your choice. But yeah. if I'm going to need a car to look like a bat <laughs> and try to compensate for my small <laughs> penis, it's going to be the original <laughs> Batman. Okay? That, that's going to be my uh, Batmobile, you know? so I'm yeah. Just, yeah. But I get for it. Sure. I, I get sure. it 100%. It is, it is a very cool car yeah it, it is, is very cool
1: yeah. oh i actually have a uh, my buddy bought me this for his uh, wedding
3: oh gift. there it is like, what's your
0: favorite car i got the uh you got a little miniature version of the tumbler and you were like that doesn't make up for the fact that i have to come to your wedding sorry <laughs> sorry that doesn't very, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, very true yeah mike what are your honorable mentions
1: Oh, yeah, honorable mentions. So, definitely the 1989 and 1995 Batmobiles. Mm. I thought that those were both beautiful cars. Um, Of course, the Ghostbusters car and DeLorean. I'm sure those are in your honorable mentions as well. And also, random one, but Optimus Prime Semi.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I went back and forth. That was sort of like your magic school bus. Again, I was like, if you could do anything... Uh, Transformers, pretty dope. You know, like I mean, that's that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think if I was doing it that way, my my top three would be Optimus Prime, Magic School Bus, uh, Delorean. You get the most out. I mean, you you can you yeah. can go anywhere in time. You can uh, do anything, go anywhere with the Magic School Bus, uh, mm-hmm. and you can turn into a. a Massive robot. So, you know, I mean... You have a friend. Yeah, and uh, and with a cool voice. With an awesome, deep uh, (laughs) voice. And be like, I don't know. I feel like the world isn't so great. And he could give you therapy. And be like, this is Mm -hmm. why it's awesome. And you'd be like, oh, thanks, Optimus Prime. That's totally... Forgot. (laughs) Dope. Anyways, Mike. uh, Yeah, I only really... I didn't really have any... Uh, uh honorable mentions like I did but there were so many of them I was just like mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it with the three I'm going to keep it with three we all know by the way that that uh, the the stingray from lifeguard is up there without a doubt oh
3: yeah
1: for sure for sure for sure uh, by
0: the way I watched Mike I watched um uh dirty dancing was on the other night uh on one of the movie channels and great was, movie yeah and i was Patrick like you know, uh, yeah i was like i gotta watch this it's just awesome and i think yeah. i've told you before but it was filmed just like 15 minutes down from my house uh, oh, wow. uh yeah I at know. a lake uh, a little bit further than that i'm uh, i'm a little it's a little bit longer it's like 30, that's cool 30 minutes but uh i used to go there a lot when i was a kid uh now fun fact that lake uh doesn't exist really jeez really yeah it's wild but uh, literally, plates like Earth plates underneath the uh, underneath the lake shifted, so a crack, a hole in the lake formed, and it just drained the lake. Mm. Just over time, all the water basically went out, and now it's just like a dirt hole there, which is very sad. It's very weird. It's wild too because it's out. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's called Mountain Lake. That's what it's called in real life. And it, it's on a mountain. You go up, you drive up like 3,000 feet, and it's up here at the top of this mountain. Mm. And it, it, it used to be super, super beautiful. And now it's a, it's a, a dirt hole. Like I said, it's wild. Hmm. I'm going to check that out too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do a little Google images of that. But I got, cool. I got, uh, I got sidetracked, Mike. The reason that I brought that up is, um, I realized that in the '80s, passionate kissing uh, was still a thing as well. You had not <laughs> lost passionate kissing yet by the '80s, you know. Um, uh, that's so so funny. There were definitely a lot of passionate kisses in that movie. That you're like, <laughs> yeah, there were. All right, it's getting in there. You guys are you're doing it. Nice, you know and just i just love watching movies like that too now that there's just so many things that you're like what that makes no sense what like by the way i mean and i'm not going into a movie review here listeners but there's just one thing on that movie there's the point where uh baby is laying down she's confessing her love to mm-hmm. patrick swayze's character and She's in his cabin or whatever. And she hasn't said any they they haven't, they haven't kissed, they haven't done anything. And she's like talking about they're they're, you know, they're starting to it's getting heightened emotions. And then she goes, Yeah, and worst of all, I'm so afraid of leaving this place with not telling you how I feel about you, and that I've never felt like anyone, or I've never felt this way about anyone ever. Jeez. And I was like what <laughs> was like if i was patrick swayze i'd be like oh shit. yeah pump the brakes lady good god let's get you out of here we don't need any of this uh,
1: hilarious
0: like i'm just like my god the emotions who has those emotions ah, not so me funny. not me man like it's just it's way too much way too much <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just me, Mike. Maybe the the highs and lows for me, you know? It's just too much highs and lows for me. No, nah, like. it's
1: pretty extreme.
0: Yeah. But you gotta imagine people were actually doing this back in the day
1: in real life. I mean they saw this in movies. They were like, then that that's the way. Yeah. This is how you do it. And then uh, yeah.
0: No f- way, that's what <laughs> I said. Like, and that was the immediate thing. I was watching it, I was just like, oh my god! I would have told her she needs to leave immediately. You know what? This isn't maybe. I, did I hear your dad calling? I think he's out there somewhere. <laughs> if you could just. Uh, oh, jeez!
1: Like no, I'm crying. I'm crying right now. My eyes are watering. This, this is hilarious.
0: Would have been. I mean, <sighs> just too I gotta much. gotta
1: watch some more older movies. Yeah, you my, gotta. Watch, you, gotta yeah.
0: Got, you gotta watch. Go back. Like the. Mm-hmm. the I think. I want to say like maybe it's just because there's not enough of the the lifeguards out there. But the 80s, they really hit their stride on those. <laughs> like, the 80s, there's just so many yeah. ridiculous things in those movies that you're just like, what? How did you... Why would you do that? Like, I mean, all the John Hughes movies, the the 16 Candles, the Pretty in Pinks, the... I mean, Ferris Bueller's more of a fun one. That one's more yeah. just sort of ridiculous. So, like, there's not, like... But, like, all the other high school, the fast times at Ridgemont High, like, all of those, you're just like, what? <laughs> that is, that's what you went with? Really? What? Like, it's just, oh, man. Mm. Oh, anyway. anyways, I got sidetracked listeners. I'm sorry. Passionate kissing. Passionate ah, that's kissing. So funny. Um, Mike, you got one more birthday suit. Um, I don't know. I think you might be able to get this one. Like I said, this is this one. So, uh, basketball player, he's like on the cusp of becoming an all star. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, born on June 14th, 2000, in Toronto, Canada. Our birthday suit wears the son of a professional basketball player who played in Europe and South America. Our birthday suit wears godfather is Steve Nash. Mm. Not surprisingly, our birthday suit wearer followed his dad's footsteps in loving basketball. By high school, he transferred to Verde Academy here in Florida and was a five-star recruit. He was the Naismith uh, Player of the Year, the Gatorade Player of the Year, uh, and in high school, he was the first player since LeBron James to sweep all the major awards and win the national championship. He went to Duke, In his first uh, game with Duke, he had 33 points and 6 assists. While he played amazingly in college, he was a bit overshadowed by the athletic talent of his teammate, Zion Williamson. Mm. In 2019, Zion Williamson was drafted number one by the New Orleans Pelicans. Our birthday suit wearer was drafted number three by the New York Knicks. So far, he's played four seasons with the Knicks. Last year, he averaged twenty points a game. Name that birthday suit. wearer. Ah, uh, um. His name is initials. He goes by initials.
1: Hmm. He goes
0: by initials. Yeah. You know, like a like a Jr. But not. Not Jr. Hmm. Oh,
1: like I, I feel like I have his face, but I don't have the name. Last last
0: name starts with the B. Yeah, no. I'm not gonna waste any time. Sorry. RJ Barrett. Mm. RJ Barrett. Barrett. Yes, man. I you know, great player, Mike. He's averaging a good amount of points, like I said. He's right there, sort of on the cusp of being that close to an all-star player. Um I do feel for him. Like he came in to college with so much fanfare and then Zion Williamson was there at college and he's like, Oh crap. They got a superhero on this team? Why didn't they <laughs> yeah. tell me they got this dude on the team, you know? So like and then everybody basically just forgot about him because, you know, RJ Barrett wasn't the six eight dude that weighed two hundred and seventy pounds that was jumping through the roof. So, you know. Tough on him, but, mm-hmm. you know, the the upside is he's making millions of dollars and he's in the NBA, so, you know. Happy birthday to uh, to RJ. He's turning 23, 23 for RJ. Not bad. Mike, if you weren't keeping count there, uh, you are now 37 and a quarter out of 69. Mm. Mm-hmm. So still over 50% by a good deal. There we go. Still over 50%. And Boy George kept you in the hunt today. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy birthday to Boy George. Happy birthday to Pat Summit. Happy birthday to RJ Barrett. Mike, we need to wrap it up for this week. We have some fantastic guests coming up. Very excited about the next two shows. We have got uh Andrew, better known as No Love for the Middle Child. This guy has worked with all kinds of great folks. Worked with PNB Rock worked with uh, Meek Mills, uh, worked with uh, a bunch of great people out there. Zero, he's got his own solo stuff. Of course, that's what we're going to talk about. He's going to be touring with Grandson this uh, this summer. Going to be awesome. We've also got, the week after next, Matchbox 20. None other than Kyle, uh, their, their fantastic guitarist coming on. To talk to us, can't wait to talk to him. Super fantastic. We're gonna talk about it all, Mike. We're gonna talk about starting the band. We're gonna be talking about 3 a.m. We're gonna talk about push. We're gonna talk about just all all the classics and talk about the new album. Can't wait to talk to him. It's gonna be a good time. But until then, we gotta wrap it up. I've been your host, Doc G, with me as always, the one, the only, the flag bearer, <laughs> Mikey Maximus. The Furnicus, Charrette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much. Of and until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a